Let me say good morning again. It is good to see all of you here. Kathy and I were down in Ruidoso this weekend for a family reunion. And one of the things that really struck me about that is I get older, and as my aunts and uncles and parents and cousins get older, I treasure those times more and more, times when I can be together with them. And it's um, really good to see people that I haven't seen in a while. And it, it struck me that I have that same feeling as I'm getting older about our weekly gathering here. Um, it's more meaningful to me that the, the family that I have here, that we're able to get together every week, and I look forward more and more to that. And it's really a blessing to be a part of this family. And so I hope that we could all capture that feeling where every Sunday is a family reunion where we're coming together and excited to see each other. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you bless us. Father, we thank you for this family here at Netherwood Park. That's such a blessing to us. And Father, help us to be a blessing to it and a a blessing to the community that's around us. And Father, our desire is to be more and more like Jesus Christ. Father, we take steps, sometimes small and painful steps, that direction. Just pray, Father, that today, this morning, will be a large step in that direction to being more and more like Jesus Christ. And Father, our desire is to shine his light into the world around us so others can come to know him. Pray, Father, that as a result of what we do here this morning, that we'll be committed to being that light to the world, that we will be committed to sharing Jesus Christ with those who are around us. Father, I pray this through his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So we're just a week away from our Fall Outreach Sunday, September the 14th. And I know we're all really looking forward to having many guests with us next Sunday for our worship services. And today is the final week of a short three-week series that we've called Reaching. And we first talked about the importance of being a church which continually reaches up to know God. To know God Father, to know God Son, and to know God Spirit. We've talked about the importance of being a church which continually seeks to grasp the dimensions of God's love, the height and depth and width and length of God's love, the love that is most clearly expressed through his son, Jesus Christ, and what Jesus did for us at the cross. And we stress the necessities of grasping the dimensions of God's love because we know that that's the beginning point for increasing the dimensions of our love, the dimensions of our love for our God and the dimensions of our love for each other. And to help us in our quest to reach up and know God, I ask all of us to make a rubbish list. A rubbish list that identifies everything in our lives that we value highly enough that they would interfere with having a love for God that does have great height and depth and length and width. Those things for many of us will be relationships. They might be hobbies, they might be jobs, they might be positions, or they might be objects that we own. Our rubbish list will contain whatever those things that interfere and compete with loving God, with dimensions that we should love God, are for each of us. And I believe it's important for us to identify the rubbish in our lives because true faith and true hope is only achieved when we no longer rely on the rubbish in our lives, but instead rely on the one God, the one Spirit, and the one Lord of our lives. That first week, I also ask each of us to commit to immersing ourselves in the Gospels, immersing ourselves in Jesus' story. And I ask us to do that by reading 
the Gospels by reading Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, reading each Gospel from beginning to end at least once before the 14th. And we're only a week away. And the reason that I ask for that commitment is because it is when we fully immerse ourselves in Jesus' story that we begin to grasp the dimensions of his love, the height and depth, the length and width of Jesus' love for us, his great love for us. And when we grasp the magnitude of Jesus' love for us, we then begin to grasp our calling. And our calling is to be individual members of the unified body of Christ. And the unified body of Christ was our focus last week. We talked about the necessity of reaching in to build the church. To build a church that looks just like Jesus. A church that has Jesus' DNA so others will see Jesus when they see us. And so that we'll be a church that shines a, a pure and bright light into the dark world that's around us. So last week I asked for another commitment. I asked for us to commit to providing sincere Daily praise and encouragement. Sincere daily praise and encouragement through a a card or a call, through an email or Facebook or Twitter or FaceTime or maybe even the old-fashioned way, face-to-face in a conversation with someone. Provide daily sincere praise and encouragement in other members of this body in whom you see Jesus' DNA. I ask you to provide praise and encouragement to others in the body in whom you see humility. And those in whom you see gentleness and patience, love and peace, faithfulness, maturity, righteousness, holiness. And those you see honesty and industry, generosity and encouragement, kindness and forgiveness. Those that you see thankfulness and wisdom and spirituality and submissiveness. And I know that some of you at least are doing that because I've received some of that praise and encouragement from you, and I appreciate that very much. I want to ask you to continue doing that over the next week and in weeks to come. Because I know that when we do that, when we provide that praise and encouragement, we will strengthen and we will build the new self DNA that we do see in each other until it overwhelms, until it pushes out the old self-DNA that all of us, unfortunately, still possess. And it's then that the body of Christ will begin to look more and more like the body's head, more and more like Jesus Christ. And then that brings us today, and we're going to spend our time today talking about reaching out, reaching out to those around us to share Jesus Christ. And I guess the first question that maybe we should address is, why would we do that? Why would we reach out to others to share? Why should we reach out to others to share? And I think there's many reasons, but I want to focus on three reasons why we, the body of Christ, should be in the reaching out business. The first reason is perhaps the most obvious, and it's focused on the needs of people. I believe that the people around us share our desperate need for Jesus. I believe that all of us were created with a need for relationship that can only be met by Jesus. All of us were created with a need for meaning and purpose in our lives that can only be satisfied by Jesus. I believe that apart from God, our lives are lived in futility. And I also believe that the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. 
So what we do is we reach out to others to share what we know, what we have come to know, what we've been blessed to know. And we reach out to share how we've been blessed by Jesus Christ and by his Father, our God. And we reach out to share how Jesus brought our lives into focus once he became the center of our lives. I have no doubt that people are in desperate need of what Jesus has to offer. He offers life with meaning and purpose. He offers forgiveness. He offers healing. He offers restoration. He offers eternal life. So we, as his body, will reach out with what people need. And we'll do that by introducing them to who they need. They need Jesus. But that's not the only reason why we reach out. We also reach out because the body needs other people. We reach out for the church, for the benefit of Jesus' body. Because the church is also in desperate need of people. Think about it this way. Every time an additional person is added to the body, that's another part of the body that's added. That's another piece of the body that's added. They bring their gifts. They bring their abilities. They bring their experience. They bring their wisdom to the body. Jesus intends for his body to grow. He intends for it to grow numerically for sure. He also intends for it to grow by building up the existing members. Absolutely, he intends for that to happen. But he also intends for his body to grow by adding new members, by adding new pieces, by adding new gifts, by adding new abilities to his body. So we reach out to others because the body needs other people. We have a lot to offer our family and our friends who don't know Jesus We have a lot to offer them by inviting them in to Jesus' body, but they have a lot to offer us also. So we reach out because Jesus' body is in desperate need of new people. And ultimately, I think we reach out simply because we have news that is simply too good not to be shared. We have the news to share that Jesus conquered death. We have the news to share that Jesus conquered sin. We have the news to share that Jesus lives. We have the news to share that Jesus reigns. And that news is simply too good to keep to ourselves. Why would we want to keep news like that to ourselves? That's news that's simply too good not to be shared. But I don't really think I probably need to convince you guys that we should be sharing. I think we're all convinced of that. I don't think it's the why we should share that holds us back from sharing. I think it's more the how we share that holds us back. How do we reach out? How does the church reach out? But really, I think for most of us, the question that holds us back is, how do I reach out? How do you reach out? How do we as individual members of Christ's body reach out to the people who are around us? to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And today I want to give us just two examples of how normal, ordinary people, people like you and me, reached out and brought people to Jesus. I'm going to suggest that these two examples provide the answers that we need to how we, how you, how I can reach out to bring people to Jesus And the first example I want to share shows us that sometimes reaching out is simple as pointing to where Jesus will be found. 
It's as simple as pointing to where Jesus will be found. I'm going to call this come and see, reaching out. And for our example, we'll return to Samaria and we'll revisit the thirsty woman at Jacob's well. We find her story in John chapter 4. You might want to turn there now. I think most of you probably remember the story. We've talked about it from here recently. Jesus and his disciples are journeying north to Galilee, and they decide to take the direct route. And that direct route takes them through Samaria. And on their trip, they take a rest stop at Jacob's well. And that's outside a Samaritan town. And the disciples left to get some food, and Jesus stayed at the well. And while he's sitting there at the well, a woman from the town comes to fill her jar with water. And the woman's shocked when Jesus engages her in conversation and asks her for a drink. And then she was confused when he offered her living water, offered her water that would permanently quench her thirst. And then their conversation really got interesting. And for the woman, the conversation really got uncomfortable. The conversation took this turn in verse 16. We read this. Jesus told the woman, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. That's pretty uncomfortable. It's uncomfortably to be confronted with that kind of truth, that kind of revelation about your past. And faced with that uncomfortable revelation about her past and recognizing that Jesus has prophetic powers, the woman changed the subject. She changed the subject by asking, where is the proper place for people to worship? Jesus gives her a fairly lengthy reply to that. And then he concludes his reply with this, verse 23. He says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. What a story she now has to tell. The woman doesn't know a lot about Jesus, but she knows enough. She knows he has prophetic powers that can only be from God. And she knows that those powers give credibility to his claim that he is indeed the Messiah. And that story for the woman was simply too good to keep to herself. Let's read about her reaction in verse 28. It says that she left her water jar. And then she went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then this is the reaction of the people. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And then in verse 39, we read, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. That's pretty effective outreach, isn't it? And it was all started by one woman. 
In fact, it was started by a woman with a very questionable past. And it was started by her simply saying, come and see this amazing man that I've met. She simply pointed to the well where the Messiah could be found. And I really believe we can all do that. I think we can all do that. I think we can all reach out with the simple message of come and see this amazing man, Jesus. We can all simply point to the body of Christ because we know that's where the Messiah can be found. I think one of the great things about this come and see outreach is that you don't have to be the one who teaches if that isn't your gift. This woman was in no position to teach others. In fact, she just barely met Jesus. But she was in a position to lead others to those who could teach. In this case, to Jesus himself. And that's one of the beautiful things about the body of Christ. There are people in the body of Christ who have the gift of teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what those people with that gift need is others to point the way. And to be effective at pointing the way, we have to be able to personally share why people should come and see. We have to be able to tell our Jesus story. The Samaritan's woman's invitation to come and see was only compelling and it was only effective because she had a Jesus story. Her particular story was, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Because she knew she hadn't just encountered a man. She had encountered an amazing man. She hadn't just had a conversation about water. She'd had a conversation with a man who had promised to quench her true thirst. Her message was, come and see this man who may just be the Christ. That was her Jesus story. And the people from the town responded to her story. So the question that I have for us is, what is our Jesus story? What is our personal Jesus story? When we invite others to come and see Jesus, just who are we inviting them to come and see? To help us with our thought process, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. I want you to consider these questions, and we'll return for your answers in just a few minutes. So please ask yourself these questions. What is so amazing about Jesus? But I don't want a church answer. I want your answer. For you personally, what do you find amazing about Jesus? The second question I want you to consider is this. How has Jesus quenched your thirst? For you personally... How has Jesus quenched your thirst? What needs in your life has Jesus satisfied that simply couldn't be satisfied anywhere else? So when we have the answer to these questions, our invitation, our personal invitation to others becomes, come and see the one. Come and see the one who means this to me. And it's come and see the one who has done this for me. It's a personal Jesus story. And people respond to our personal stories. And one of the reasons why this kind of message works so powerfully is because we aren't asking people to come follow us. 
We're not asking people to come be like us. We aren't presenting ourselves as people who have everything figured out and people who have everything together. And that's a good thing because we don't have everything figured out and we don't have everything together. But instead, it places the focus where the focus belongs. The focus is on Jesus. So our message to people isn't be like me. Instead, our message is come and see the one I'm trying to be. Come and see Jesus. Our message is, Jesus is the answer to my life questions. He just might be the answer to your life questions. Let me give you a second way that I believe we can all reach out to share. All reach out to share Jesus to those around us. And this was demonstrated to us by some men on a roof. Some men on a roof who lowered their paralyzed friend through that roof to meet Jesus I think you'll also remember this story well, and we find it in the second chapter of Mark. Now I'll go ahead and begin reading with verse 1 in Mark chapter 2. We read this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then following that is a debate about Jesus' authority to forgive sins. And it's a debate that ultimately concludes with Jesus telling the paralyzed to get up, take your mat, and walk out of this house. And the paralyzed, the formerly paralyzed man, did that. But our focus this morning isn't so much on the man, it's on the men on the roof. The men who brought their friend into the presence of Jesus. The reason I want to focus on them is because I believe we can be those men. We can bring our paralyzed friends into the presence of Jesus. And trust me, we all have paralyzed friends. We all have friends who are paralyzed because they believe that their past disqualifies them from ever having a relationship with Jesus. We have friends who believe that there's no forgiveness at all for what they have done. And those kind of friends aren't going to find Jesus by themselves. They need someone to figuratively carry them to Jesus. They need someone to lean on. They need someone to do whatever it takes, even digging through a roof, To bring them to Jesus. And I believe that just like the men on the roof, one of the great things about this kind of reaching out is that we don't have to try and fix the things that we're simply not capable of fixing. Because there are many things in our friends' lives that we cannot fix. But we can bring them to the one who fixed our broken lives. And bringing them is what we have to be prepared to do. And we have to be prepared to do it by telling, again, our Jesus story. And to help us with our Jesus stories, let me pose two additional questions for you to consider. And we'll also come back for your answers in a few minutes. Answer these personal questions. The first question I want you to answer is, where would you be without Jesus. 
Where would you be without Jesus? How is your life different because Jesus is in it? The next question that I want you to consider, how has Jesus freed you from the paralysis of sin? How has Jesus freed you from the paralysis of sin? How has the forgiving power of Jesus changed you? Personal questions that need personal answers. These are important to answer because being the kind of friend who brings others into the presence of Jesus requires us to be open. Requires us to be honest. It requires us to be vulnerable. It requires us to be confessional with other people. But it also allows us to powerfully impact other people. When you're having a conversation with someone and the question is, why should you come and meet Jesus? Our answer should be, because I believe he can do for you what he has done for me. He has healed me. I believe he can heal you. He has forgiven me. I believe he can forgive you. You should come and meet Jesus because I no longer live paralyzed by my past. So our message to our friends isn't we can undo your past because we can't undo their past. But instead our message is my Lord Jesus Christ can give you a new future. And we know he can. And we know he can because he's given us a new future. So those are two different ways of reaching out to those around us. We can do that by pointing to where Jesus will be found. We can say, come and see Jesus here. Come and see Jesus within the body of Christ. We can also bring our broken and paralyzed friends into Jesus' presence, into his healing and forgiving presence. And we know that can be found here within the body of Christ. And we can do this. We can do this if we're willing to tell our personal Jesus stories to our friends and to our families. So I want to end by returning to those questions I said that we would come back to, the questions I ask you to consider. I want you to think about this. What is your personal Jesus story? Can you tell it? Can you tell other people your personal Jesus story? Can you write that story down? Can you take a piece of paper and write down your Jesus story? And that's exactly what I want to ask every one of us to do in this next week, is to write out our Jesus stories. I want us to do that as we prayerfully consider who we want to reach out to. And if we do that, we'll know and we'll be able to tell why we want them to come to know, why we want them to come and know and love Jesus the Jesus who already knows and loves them. And to do that, I think that you really only need to be able to answer the four questions that you've already been considering. What do you find so amazing about Jesus? How has Jesus quenched your thirst? Where would you be without Jesus And how has Jesus freed you from the paralysis of sin? Once you do that, once you set aside time to prayerfully reflect on your answers to those four questions, and then write them down, 
See, I believe it's really important for you to know your Jesus story. And it's important for others to hear your Jesus story. And the reason it's so important for them to hear your Jesus story is because your Jesus story may just be the start of their Jesus story. And everybody needs a Jesus story. But for that to happen, someone actually has to hear your Jesus story. So my final question for you to prayerfully answer is this. To whom will you tell your Jesus story? During this next week and in weeks to come, who are you going to tell your Jesus story to? So that may be the beginning of their Jesus story. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus into this world and, Father, for sending him into our lives. And, Father, you have done so much for us through Jesus. And, Father, we know that we live in a world that desperately needs Jesus. And, Father, my prayer is that you will use us to shine Jesus' light into this world. That you'll use us individually to tell others what Jesus means to us, what Jesus has done for us, so that they can see Jesus working in us, so that they can see Jesus living in us, so they can see Jesus in us. Father, give us courage, give us boldness. Father, give us honesty. Father, give us a love for you that translates into a great love for those who are around us so that we can bring Jesus to them. And Father, I pray this through Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a Jesus story because you haven't put your life in his hands, if you haven't put your life in his hands to forgive your past and to give you a new future with him, won't you let us know Won't you let us know that you would like to start your Jesus story today? You can do that in a couple of different ways. We're going to stand up and sing a song together. We're going to sing a song about our Jesus story. And while we're singing that song, you could walk to the front and let us know that you would like to begin your Jesus story today. If you're uncomfortable with that, there's a more private way that you can do that. You can make your way to the back to room 104, 104. And in that room, you'll find a couple of our elders, a couple of godly men who would love to talk to you about their Jesus story and about how you can begin yours. Whatever your needs are, won't you let us know while we stand together and we sing this song.